Hello, I'm Becca, the owner of Meet Cute Romance Bookshop, and this is the Meet Cute Book Pod. Today, we have the recording of our delightful panel, Sugar and Spice, Writing Sex in Romance Novels, with Alexandria Bellafleur, Rosie Dannon, and Maisie Eddings, discussing the joys, doubts, and giggles that come with writing high-heat rom-coms. This conversation was a lot of fun, and I introduced Alexandria, Rosie, and Maisie as part of the panel, so no need to do that here. But if you haven't heard them speak before, it may be a bit tricky to figure out who's saying what, so I'll do an awkward pop-in to identify each author the first time she speaks. As a hint, the voice you're hearing most often acting as a moderator is Maisie Eddings. And now, through the magic of podcasting, here is the audio from our Sugar and Spice panel. We have Maisie Eddings, who is a neurodiverse author, dentist, and most importantly, stage mom to her cats, Yaya and Zadie. She can most often be found reading romance novels under her weighted blanket and asking her boyfriend to bring her snacks. She's made it her personal mission in life to destigmatize mental health issues and write love stories for every brain. We have Rosie Dannon, who writes steamy, big-hearted books about the trials and triumphs of modern love. When not writing, she enjoys jogging slowly to fast music, petting other people's dogs, and competing against herself in rounds of chopped using the miscellaneous ingredients occupying her fridge. As an American expat living in London, Rosie regularly finds herself borrowing slang that doesn't belong to her. <laughs> and Alexandria Bellafleur, who is a best-selling and award-winning author of swoony contemporary romance, often featuring lovable grumps and the sunshine characters who bring them to their knees. A Pacific Northwesterner at heart, Alexandria has a weakness for good coffee, Pike IPA, and voodoo donuts. Her special skills include finding the best pad thai in every city she visits, remembering faces but not names, falling asleep in movie theaters, and keeping cool while reading smutty books in public. Her debut novel, Written in the Stars, was a 2021 Lambda Literary Award winner and a 2020 winner of the Rip Bodice Awards for Excellence in Romantic Fiction. And without further ado, I will leave them to the Sugar and Spice panel. Have fun. <laughs> okay, this next voice is Maisie Eddings. Hey, you two! <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I just want to say how excited I am, um, that we're able to do this. And I know that you two have been, you know, have really nutty schedules and everything. And so I'm, I'm super, super excited about this. Um, and I can't wait to talk to you more about your books and stuff. Um, and just a quick shout out to both of you, Alexandra, I know your release was last week, right? Which is amazing. And then Rosie, your book comes out this summer. Is that right? Or is it fall? It's fall, uh, November 14th. Oh, okay. Way fall. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> what is time? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, yeah, so excited to chat with you too. Um, so yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I guess the best way to, to do this is to just jump right on in, <laughs> get into the nitty gritty of it. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess it would make more sense though if we had like some verbal foreplay as like a warm up, but you know. <laughs> um, so the topic of the panel today is all about um, writing sex in romance novels and you know putting it on the the page. And so, um, one question I have for you two is: Do you feel like? Do you feel like I've seen you both described as writing high heat romance? 
And when you're drafting or when you were even like before you were published, did you feel like that's what you were writing or did that moniker kind of like come to you as an author afterwards or? This next voice is Alexandria Bellafleur. It came afterwards. I I got my start reading romance like in the, the heyday of new adult. Mm. Um, so I feel like everything I was reading was higher heat. Um, and I feel like there's kind of been a a slide in trap romance. It's like kind of, it's gotten a little less steamy. Um, so I, I feel like what I was writing from the get-go was, it was higher heat, but it was what I was used to being like the norm. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting to see how, how the scale has kind of changed. And this is Rosie Dannon. And, and I think everything is so subjective, right? Like, so what's high heat for me could be like really low heat for someone else or could be like way, way off the the spectrum for another reader. So I think, yeah, I, I knew that I wanted to write open door. Um, when I started writing, um, I just think the intricacies of intimacy that you're specifically able to explore through open door romance are, are really intriguing and playful and, and engaging for me as a writer but I don't know that I was like, oh, like this book's going to be so steamy and like they're going to categorize it as high heat. Um, but I do think like what's interesting is for my first two books, they had sex worker main characters. And so I think that people automatically categorize them as higher heat, even though I think that's not necessarily always representative of the content. And if you think about it, like the, I think the roommate and intimacy experiment are not like apples to apples on the heat scale. And at least in terms of like volume of sex scenes, and yet you'll get that same kind of response. So I think, yeah, it's tricky knowing how to talk about the way you write sex scenes versus the way readers will perceive them and the market. Like, I guess that's why, that's why we're here. Right. Cause yeah. this is such a meaty um, thing, but yeah. What about you, Maisie? Um, I, yeah, I remember like gearing up to like write my first one all those years ago. And I was like, I, I could not stop like slumber party giggling. I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. Cause it was such a weird situation where I almost felt like I was a voyeur. I was like interrupting my character's time. And I was like, that's none of my business. Like, I'm just going to leave them be and everything like that. But, um, I realized I was like, you know, I like reading romance novels where, there's on-page physical intimacy where there's sex scenes where, um, you know, there's a variety of different intimacy. Um, and so I was like, you know, I they say, write what you like to read. And so um, I approached it that way. But one thing that I've noticed that's been very different is like how with each like couple, um, it's felt very different on how like to approach those scenes or how those scenes like come about kind of organically and things like that. And um, yeah, but I think, I think ultimately to answer the question, I knew that I wanted to write open door. It just took me a while to get nervous to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you're totally right. Like I'm very much driven by individual character as well as like situation in terms of how I will develop my sex scenes. And like, I will often find that that's one of the first things I'll brainstorm is like, you know, at least one, like that at least to me feels really unique as a sex scene that could only happen to these two characters in this specific book. Um, you know, 
for example, like the scene in the roommate that like actually kicked off that whole book for me was a sex scene. This idea of like, if you found out your roommate was a porn star, you're going to Google them. And then like the best thing that can happen narratively is for that same person to walk in the door and like see you doing it. So I think they can be really fruitful as plot ideas, but you're right. Like, I feel like when I don't know the characters that well yet, like in early stages of drafting, I will find like myself hesitant to draft the sex scenes because I'm just like, I don't know them like that. (laughs) (laughs) What they're doing is their business. (laughs) They might not be ready yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, rumor has it though, that there's some pretty serious hate sex in Do Your Worst. Is that... (laughs) I just need to, I just need to get it out there and find out. Yes. I am so excited. That is the, that is like the pinnacle sex scene. I would say in do your worst for me is like out out of all the tropes in sex scenes that there are, um, you know, I've been waiting my whole career, like thus far to write a hate sex scene. And I, I really feel like I've you know, tried to live up to that premise. I was thinking like about this conversation. I was like, well, I'm always trying to top myself when I do <laughs> like sex scenes. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think why is like a hate sex scene interesting to write? There's like this extra layer of tension, right? Like animosity and how physically hate has a lot of the same symptoms of arousal, right? So like racing heart and like, um, you're getting sweaty and you're like bald fists. And it's like a lot of those times we're using those things to describe characters that are turned on. So it was kind of like a fun interplay in that respect. But yeah, it was it was very fun. What about like you guys, what are some of your favorite like tropes that you've got to bring to life in your sex scenes or ones you want to? God, hate sex is on my bucket list. For writing. I haven't, yeah. I haven't written a, a character like pairing yet where that makes sense for the the relationship. Um, but that's definitely like something I want to write um, because of everything you described the, mm-hmm. the, that arousal and like antagonism, that like dichotomy. I love that. Um, I, oh gosh, I think some other, some other like tropes that I've really enjoyed, um, kind of like opposites attract and like mm-hmm. showing how that interplays in, in sex scenes, like how characters who seem very opposite, like on the surface come together in intimacy, um, either, you know, how that continues into, you know, their intimacy or, you know, kind of, um, how they have similarities that you wouldn't see on the surface. Yeah, in those very vulnerable moments, like what what really like knits them together, ties yeah. them apart, and stuff like that too. Yeah, I love that dynamic. I really want to write a danger bang too, where it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. So there's like, and I feel like there's two types of danger bang, and I want to write both. One is like, um, like an emergency, um, uh, like weather pattern. I can't think of what the word is. Like, um like a blizzard, right? Like, or like we survived an avalanche sort of like danger bang where it's the elements. And then there's like the danger bang where it's like, like physical danger, like, you know, a car chase sort of vibe. And so those are definitely, because I think that those also have some of like the same physiological reactions. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do, yeah. I mean, I've evacuated enough hurricanes. <laughs> I mean, like, I know, I know like what that yeah. like, I mean, we've all been in like adrenaline situations. And so, yeah, I think that's interesting to explore with characters. 
yeah. as you were saying that, I was like, that's an amazing trope to write. And I, I would love to see that come to life from you, Maisie, and I maybe even try it someday. But as like a person, if there's yeah. a disaster situation and like my husband is trying to like get anywhere near me, I'm like, absolutely not. Like I am like counting water bottles. Like I, that is not the mindset. And that's like, 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 joking right now. Yeah. Like, please do not touch me. Like we are not doing this. But that's, I mean, I think that's, what's so fun about it. Right. Is you, you can definitely get the characters into situations that you would not be comfortable in. Otherwise there's like a freedom in, in it a little bit, I think. And then there's like levels and nuance to it too, right? So if they're like freezing in a blizzard, they have to get naked and like <laughs> together for warm. And but you know, but then there's like, oh my god, we just survived the tsunami. Like we have to celebrate life and just like really pound it out. So yeah, I mean, it's all about the nuance. <laughs> Honestly, that brings up one of the th- things that I like the challenges I have with sex scenes and like the mistakes that I often find is I always forget to take off the characters' pants. Like at least <laughs> one of them. Like almost to the point of like copy edits, like someone just has their pants on, even though they shouldn't. And at least if it was a danger bang in like Alaska or something, I could get away with that. But I mean, it's yeah. it's hard to keep track of all those body parts. Like the choreography, I think, is a pain point, I think. Right. That's, oh. that's so hard for me, especially. I mean, I write a lot of sapphic romances. And so I deal with a lot of like the pronouns, like she, hers constantly. So I'm like always using like name this name that like for characters and so that people don't have like three arms or like you know multiple multiple limbs and body parts it's like keeping it track is a whole a whole issue unto itself oh I completely agree I wrote a sapphic rom-com coming out next April but I ended up having to write it in verse because I was confusing myself so much with like wait who's touching who right now like what's going on (laughs) Do you know if you have like dolls or anything? Like I've seen some authors will get dolls and I'm like, that seems like a good idea, honestly. I've seen, I think it's like Katie Roberts yes. has yeah. has like Barbies that she uses. And I admire that so much. I've thought about it. Um, mostly I just like, you know. You know, I'm actually at my parents' house right now, um, which is making this conversation all the funnier. Uh, they're in the basement. Don't worry. But I think my Barbies are here, like my childhood. <laughs> so maybe I'll try to get some for future yeah. research purposes. Absolutely fun this week. You, you can take them there and be like, demonstration. I just found this on my fiance's desk. So I'll probably start utilizing That's this. That's And stuff. Yeah, I think that would be really good. <laughs> So would you say then what's like the, is that the trickiest part then Rosie to you, like choreography and stuff or. So I will say that I think is the hardest part for me from like a technical craft perspective on the opposite end of the spectrum. I would say that like emotionally, like psychologically, I, you know, sometimes struggle with, I think the stigma that it carries on different levels, right. To have high heat sex scenes in your books mm-hmm. um, there. And I, I don't know about you guys. Like, I feel like I may be a little bit of an outlier in this case that I've had like challenging interactions with coworkers, with family members, with like readers. Like I've had a lot of instances where, I've felt uncomfortable in a discussion about the work that I've done. Um, And so that's made it complicated for me because it like, on the one hand, I really 
enjoy writing scenes. I'm, I'm proud of like the craft and technique because I think they're so much harder than people give us credit for to do well. But then, you know, you worry about the personal consequences, but you also worry about, is this going to devalue the work in market um, from a business perspective? Um, and that has to do a lot with like, and it's, and it's even readers. I think sometimes like we, you know, there are so many readers that like love smut, but I think that we do maybe not value it always at the same level that we'll value like a hardcover, you know, book or, um, a, a women's fiction book club pick that we're maybe more comfortable sharing with friends and family. So that's hard because we're, you know, we're trying to make a career out of this. And if you feel like including these kinds of scenes is going to make your work an outlier or is going to make people feel like your work can only be read or talked about in certain contexts, Mm -hmm. that can feel like limiting or scary, at least for me. And I think, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) With that too, it's like, not only are we taking like this very complicated emotional feeling of like intimacy and everything that comes with that and then translating that into, you know, our work and our art, but then that is packaged, you know, it's it, publishing is very much like the merging of, of a product with like an artistic idea and everything. And so it, a lot of times it can feel really like complicated or messy, but Alexandra, what are your like feelings on the the stigma or anything, that, especially writing so many like queer stories and stuff like that? Do you feel like you have even more stigma associated or like that you have to navigate, you know, even more just like horribleness that's out there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely messy. I mean, I feel very fortunate that um, it, right now I haven't, I haven't tackled like a YA because I can only imagine what the landscape is like in writing like queer YA, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're tackling Frank subjects, like you know, sexual intimacy, um, and, and a coming of age romance. But I, I definitely feel the, the stigma around, um, you know, writing a romance that's authentic, that Mm -hmm. is also intimate and, and Frank, um, that, you know, some people think that when you, when you are using Frank language, you're, you're devaluing the, the, you know, the relationship in a queer romance. I personally just feel like I want to depict the authenticity of a romance, regardless of the pairing. I, I try to kind of block out the noise around that and just show authentic relationships. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel the stigma around it, but I, I try to block it out. Um, I mean, like on a craft level. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, you know, the various like limbs and so on is a thing <laughs> hard to tackle. That's what I like to focus on more than like the stigma. Um, I like to just focus on the craft elements and I try to like let the rest be noise. Yeah. I think you have to like, in terms of like how to approach writing them, like, and, and because I think, we, you know, we should still have these conversations. I find a lot of comfort in talking to other authors about it because the experience in a lot of cases is shared like some of the discomfort or some of the questions about how it will um, impact the way the work is received. But 
Yeah, like there's actually a Margaret Atwood quote that I think about a lot, which is like, you are writing with one hand and erasing with the other. And I try to think about that, like, especially when drafting intimate scenes, because it's like, I think it's natural to be a little self-conscious, but trying to at least at the drafting stage, not think about anyone ever reading it, right? And just trying to bring it to life with as much... I don't know, to do like feel like pour it in, like not hold yourself back and knowing that you can always go back and edit it or, or whatever. But, um, I think again, people, a lot of times, like I'll find myself being self-conscious or I'll hear from other writers that they feel self-conscious during the crafting of the scene. And it's like, got to give yourself at least permission one time to write it as if no one will ever read it. Wow. That's definitely how I approach it because I feel like, in any intimacy scene, the characters should be vulnerable with each other. And so there's, there's layers of vulnerability. We're vulnerable writing it. The characters are vulnerable with each other. And then, you know, we're vulnerable with the readers who are reading it. And so, yeah, with the drafting stage, I definitely try to block off the idea of anyone reading it um, just so that I can get that, that authenticity of the reader's experience, the, the characters experiencing that scene themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with everything you guys are saying. Like, I think that's very profound too. And what, so what would you say is kind of the easiest part then of diving into these intimacy scenes and these sex scenes and things like that? Like, you know, is there is there any part of it that is just like inherently easy or or just, you know, always like kind of removed from that that sense of doubt um, or anything like that? Or is it just vary for, for you too? I I find natural. I think this is more reflective of my writing style in general versus necessarily being specific to sex scenes. But I usually find like dialogue is easiest as sort of like a skeleton for a scene. Um, and I know like different writers and readers have perspectives on you know how much talking, whether it's dirty or otherwise, is like appropriate for an intimate scene or or their preference, but. I I do find that my characters often like have a fair amount of dialogue in those scenes and some of it is you know intimate dialogue but some of it might be more about just like how am I going to express that connection or how am I going to express um to Alexandria's point like their vulnerability in that moment um so I I find like I'm probably that's probably the easiest part for for me but what about you guys I think it's, you know, I think in a lot of ways, writing sex scenes has become like it, it's taken a very different, um, I don't know, because I used to, like I said, I used to be really, really afraid to approach these scenes and stuff. And now it almost feels like it's scarier, harder to approach like the, the big complicated emotions that come outside of like the physical intimacy of my characters and like, you know, dark moments or like third act conflict or things like that. Like that's become so much harder to, I think, face and draft, um, you know, from, from a craft perspective, hitting emotional beats, things like that to the point where like, I do feel like I'm like, okay, because, you know, I'm like, I can get this down on paper and then it becomes, you know, somebody else's problem to copy edit or to like figure out the mechanics of, because my goal is just to like, you know, get, 
<laughs> get the down and dirty of it on there, you know? Um, and so, yeah, but I think that also does tend to vary between like which, which couple and things like that. But um, yeah, I think that I found a lot of like fun and joy in writing, in writing love scenes. Yeah. I, I feel like it varies between couple to couple mm-hmm. what's easiest and what's more difficult. Um, I feel like when the, sounds so strange, but I feel like when the characters are enjoying themselves, <laughs> I feel like I have more fun writing it. Like when they're, when they're comfortable, I'm comfortable. Um, when they're potentially feeling more vulnerable or feeling like they're, um, having difficulty, like bearing themselves, not, not physically, but you know, yeah. like emotionally, then, then like, I feel a little bit more uncomfortable because I get like deep into the POVs. Um, so it really varies, but when they're, you know, all in and like, you know, <laughs> willing to let loose life yeah. more. It actually makes me think I, a thing just from this conversation, I'm thinking that I struggle with sometimes. I'm curious whether either of you have experienced this. I find the hardest sex scene to write is the last sex scene of a book, like the scene when they're happy together. And it's, you know, I think readers want to see that. I find it a lot easier to write the other sex scenes, like leading up to it, where there's more tension and, um, like there's still conflict unresolved. I struggle. And I, part of me is like, you don't need to see this. <laughs> like, you're just, like, yeah. It's like you're a happy. weird psychological thing, but yeah. Do either of you feel like that? Yeah, I do. Especially, I mean, either when everything's great and it's like, they've overcome or if like there it's the, they think all is good, but like they haven't overcome that last hurdle. And like, you know, it's right before the dark moment. And so like, they're super like, you know, comfortable intimately, but they, they, they have that one last like dark moment to overcome. That's so hard for me, like expressing that they're super comfortable intimately, but you know, establishing that like great intimacy, but there's that still like lingering, conflict that's really hard for me to achieve that right balance like leaving that like inkling of doubt um that I always I always struggle with I think I try to like look at it so even when like the couples are happy I try to really think about like okay what you know what are what is there still to like learn about each other because I think that that's what's really important about couples and romance in in general is that you know the the whole idea and any kind of relationship that we see in romance even platonic ones is about like there's always something more to discover about another person and so I've tried to like reframe my thinking when I am kind of at that like last like everything's very joyful and happy where it's like where can it still where can they still find more from each other or take more from each other um or give each other more and and something like that um and and it, to me it also depends on how like angsty the book was leading up to that point because when it's like angsty and i've been suffering and they've been suffering i'm like bang it out as many times as you need to or it's just happy and like you're connected like let's go like that's that's so fine with me like <laughs> <laughs> do you so you know i feel like there's and Rosie, this kind of goes back to something that you said at the beginning, but so the three of us are um, traditionally published, right? And then I feel like there's a completely different sector of of romance, um, you know, in the KU world and like the, um, you know, dark romance or things like that, where it's more found on, on KU platforms. And so, you know, just from from your perspective, and I think we've all worked at different publishers too, so I don't know 
if that influences things, but like what, you know, what kind of influence do you have from, from the people that like your editors or, you know, people that you have to communicate with and creating this book versus kind of what you've seen or observed um, more in the KU space um, and self pub and indie pub space. I've been very fortunate that my editor has just let me like run free when it comes to (laughs) scenes. Like she hasn't curtailed me in any way. And I've been very, I've been very nervous because I feel like I, um, with some characters, whenever I approach like dialogue and sex scenes, I always like approach it from the character's point of view, what words they would use versus necessarily what words I would use. Um, and I know that like in KU in the KU space, some of the dialogue and some of the words are a little more explicit even than in the trad space. So I've been fortunate that my editors, like my editor, Nicole, hasn't like curtailed me in any way. Um, But that's definitely something that I've always been like cognizant of, like what are trad readers, you know, willing to accept, especially like in wording than um, what like, you know, KU readers, I know there's overlap, obviously, but like, um, you know, especially in terms of like terminology for body parts. Um, I mean, I had a friend, she, she read a book and she was like, they let you use clit twice. And I was like, (laughs) it didn't come up. I'm concerned. I don't know exactly how Frank I can, whatever. Okay. So like, I mean, like, can I, can I use like the word, like, can I use the word like cunt? Can I like, can I use that? Like, yeah, like in a trad space and like, my editor, Nicole, has not curtailed me in any way. So I, I feel very fortunate. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, you know, this would cause a lot of people to be uncomfortable, but also, you know, like they don't have to read it that, you know, I don't know. So it is, it's such a, it's such a tough space too, because you're like, well, I do have like, you know, somebody that I am writing for, but at the same time, you want to just be like, you know, I'm, I'm writing this for this couple and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is really tricky, like the language of sex scenes, I think. And I think it it does vary by space. It does feel, I guess, broadly. And I I don't know that this is shifting. Like it feels like an iceberg a little or like a big cruise ship. (laughs) Not no iceberg. Actually, that was like Freudian or something. (laughs) Um, it feels like uh, traditional publishing is maybe like slower to pivot or respond to trends, obviously, just by the nature of the publishing machine and how long it takes to bring a book to market. But there's also more um, anonymity in KU, right? Like those authors, for the most part, in my experience, are not like necessarily putting their faces forward and they're not. Um, and maybe that's changing. Again, I definitely am not an expert in KU, but I think if you have a pen name and you have like an icon and you're really not kind of, I think maybe there's more freedom of the pen in that sense. Um, And so, yeah, maybe you do see more of the taboo um, coming across in those formats. I think traditional publishing, at least in like the three years or whatever that I've been publishing, I I actually think has gotten steamier um, like from where it was when I, I feel like when the roommate came out, it was one of the only high heat titles that I could think of like at Berkeley at the time. Again, that's so subjective. So like, please don't get mad at me if there's like a million that you guys or or other people would think of. But, um, but now I think, you know, we're seeing more of a push into that space, but I'm, 
yeah this is it's such a I I feel like if there were clean answers on this it would be so helpful so if anyone tuning in has uh you know a pulse on the market on exactly how it's done for all yeah I would love to know (laughs) please you know slip into my email like I would love somebody anybody that has like their finger on the pulse but one one question that I just noticed um that I think kind of ties into this and this is more from just like um, a craft standpoint of language, but um, it was, how do you avoid writing the same words to describe what's happening over and over? Um, which is like, you know, that's like a great question because sometimes, you know what word I use a lot? Fingers or like fingertips. <laughs> I'm just like, I need another like thing, like thing for these. Like, <laughs> and that made me think of the um, sausage fingers and everything everywhere all at once where she has the hot tub. <laughs> Oh, go ahead, Alexandria. Well, it can get really awkward, yeah, when you're like digits, like digits, <laughs> like searching for like a, a synonym, and like it's not, it's not sexy in any yeah. way. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not, it doesn't strike that same, you know, element that you're seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it can be hard. I feel like a first draft, just let it all go. If you want to use fingertips or hands or whatever, a million times, um, go for it. And then I, I refine in a a third, fourth draft. I I feel like I try, I am very self-conscious about this. Like this is something I take very seriously, probably too seriously. I think I try to avoid it at a larger scale by just truly feeling like every sex scene that I attempt to write could again like is is not interchangeable for any of my characters Mm -hmm. like that like if Naomi and Ethan were in this scene it would come it would come to fruition in a totally different way and that way it's like they're not I'm never putting them in an apples to apples scenario I mean look like are people gonna kiss in most of my books like yeah but um again I think like the style of kissing because it's not just like the one individual and how they'll participate but like the chemistry of them together and the dynamics of their relationship. So I'm, I guess I'm just saying like, I'm shifting as many variables as I can so that the language will fall and follow suit. Um, but it, inevitably I'm going to describe like two sets of shoulders in the same way. I know I am like big beefy shoulders. They're going to be in my books. Yeah. And I, you know, I think like the other part of that too is like, we all come to it with like words that are kind of a personal ick, you know, like, and I think like, you know, what's like, what's an ick to one person is like, you know, a great word to another. And so that's why, but I think that allows there to be so much variety into the words that we choose to describe, you know, body parts or intimacy or all of these things. And I mean, like, just to be honest, like there's, you can like a thesaurus.com or like, you know, just like Googling, like what's another word for dick like you know like <laughs> the world the, the world is your oyster to like really figure it out too. 100% yeah I mean I do feel like there's some like cultural icks that have yeah. like you know infiltrated yeah. the general space like I feel like it's generally accepted that most people think the word moist is like a, <laughs> is a like no right now so I think a lot of authors like steer clear of that um yeah, yeah I I saw um a, a Reddit, like their romance Reddit thread. I went, I was like so fascinated because it, everybody was like listing like, oh, I, I hate the word pussy or I hate the word cunt. Or it's like, if I see the word penis in a romance book, it's an automatic, like do not finish. And I'm like, but like, that's what it 
like what, (laughs) you know, like, so it's just, it's so, it's so interesting what, you know, again, like what, um, and that, I think that goes back to the basis of, you know, the core of what you're saying, Rosie, where it's like, you have to be true to the couple. Um, and then also just true to like, what feels comfortable and okay for you to write. Yeah. Because you know what the thing is like, and sometimes this makes me so mad. I'm like thinking about about the Stacey Abrams example that I'm going to come back to in a second. Like a sex scene read out of context and with like ill will is yeah. it doesn't matter how perfect it is. It doesn't matter who wrote it. It can sound silly. It can sound over the top. It can sound gross even potentially. Um, and the reason I said that is because do you guys remember when Stephen Colbert made Stacey Abrams read her sex scene out of context, even though she really did not want to on his show and therefore became my enemy forever, even though people like him feel I did not know about that actually. That's horrible. It's such a yeah, like it's such a problem. Like, and Stacey Abrams, you're you're the best person in the world. Um, but like you should I that's I think just something that is so uncomfortable, right? When it's like those scenes are crafted as part of a larger narrative, right? And like to read them out of context. There's, but the thing is, like, there's always going to be someone who's going to do that, right? Or someone who it's not going to hit for because it's so, it, like, intimacy is subjective, um, maybe more than anything else, right? If you describe, like, <laughs> you know, um, a walk in the park, like, that's maybe more of a universal experience. Like, intimacy is so variable um, in, for people. So, but yeah, don't, the moral of that story is, like, don't make people read their sex scenes out of context when they don't. Yeah. And and don't like ask author like anybody that's in the writing if they like take their personal experience. Um, because I've had like somebody approach me in a bookstore and and say that, and I, I was just like, that's so like, I, you know, I'm still a, a human, yeah. you know, like I, <laughs> I will. I just had that at the LA Times, leaving LA Times old books. I was in a in a lift. And a driver was like, so do you like write your scenes like from personal experience? And I was like, this oh, is yeah, this is like not what you ask an author. This yeah. is like, I, not I have a good um, technique actually for combating any kind of like uncomfortable question like that. So I feel like this is a good time to share this. And this is actually, I messaged Ava Wilder about this after because I'm like, we must have read this in the same like news article or something because she it's actually in her book um but it's like a de-escalation technique where somebody says something inappropriate to you you basically like kind of like play play dumb like you repeat it back to them like I'm sorry I don't understand and you have to make them say it again and then if they're like oh well like it's a joke then you just say okay explain it to me and they become very very uncomfortable very very quickly so that's like a night because sometimes you do need like a de-escalation technique like you can't be like that's really inappropriate and you shouldn't do that so those are like the two answers because I know a lot of people are either in the situation as writers or they're interested and even sometimes you have to just uh defend it as a reader right um so please spread that technique yeah I I, yeah I love that I yeah good yeah and it works in so many situations because unfortunately people are just constantly put in uncomfortable situations. <laughs> um looking at the QA, 
again, because I just saw one that was also relevant. Um, okay. So this one says, I've read books where sex scenes serve a very specific purpose. And I've read some where they just feel like they're there to raise the heat level. How do you choose where to place multiple sex scenes that are purposeful to the plot without overdoing it? That's a t- that's actually a really tough question to answer. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I guess, I, I guess like I'm, again, trying to tie it to like, tension and like mm-hmm. respond so almost if you think of it like a valve <laughs> um <laughs> like if there's so much buildup in the valve yeah. like you know I have to like release tension at different moments but so that it doesn't explode <laughs> I wish I hadn't made any hand gestures during that explanation that good was amazing. um that was great I love that but I I do tend to write high heat slow burn um it's just what appeals to me. Like I really savor again, more than anything, I think my favorite part is the tension, right? Just making these people lose their minds, go bananas um, in terms of wanting to be together. And for whatever reason, feeling like that's not physically or emotionally accessible to them in a, in a long-term way. So a very long-winded answer to just say like, go by feel. I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah. But I usually tend to to spread them out more towards the end. Uh, I think I think there's a general like advice like the sex scenes need to further the plot. But I think the second part is the the sex scenes can further character development. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always just have to like move the plot along. If a sex scene is um, you know, explaining something about the characters and how they interact. It doesn't have to be tied directly to the plot for me, at least. Um, so I think of it as either like moving plot or character. If it's, if it's character discovery, then those scenes are just as important as if they're moving the plot along. I, 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 yeah, I definitely agree. And like, I think, I mean, I, I understand the, like, I, I understand the value and, you know, every scene has to, you know, further, further the plot or further character development. But I do think that we kind of underestimate like the value of like a, a and, and I could be totally off base here and my pacing just sucks, but just the, like the idea of a pause in kind of like a stable or happier or, or joyful kind of like connection where it's like, it is a sex scene that doesn't necessarily lead to some grand revelation outside of the fact that these two people still feel really connected to each other. Um, Because I think that has a lot of value in like, you know, just showing where a relationship's at or like, you know, reflecting on how far people they've, they've come in their journey too and stuff. And so, you know, I think, I think it does feel obvious if you're forcing a sex scene into a story, but if it feels organic to you as you're writing it, I think that, more often than not, that will that will come across as like it it adds value to the story, whether it's a plot driver or just you know a, an emotional reminder of where the characters are and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I could be totally wrong. With that. <laughs> no, 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 I think there's definitely value in those like those quiet moments, those like breath taking a breath. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it lends itself to like the believability of the the HEA that like, you know, mm-hmm. not everything has to be like high conflict, high tension. Like it, it lends itself to like showing how these characters are going to be after the last page. Yeah. A hundred percent. One question that we seem to be getting in a couple different like iterations are how do you get over the awkwardness of friends, families, coworkers um, reading sex scenes? <laughs> This is another one. I feel like I've thought about every aspect of this 
like how to navigate it. So I'm like, let me give my tip again. Um, and my tip in this one is really simple. And it's like, at least this is what for, worked for me. You have to make the piece that like, you are not forcing anyone to read your book. And mm-hmm. if a friend or family member makes a decision to read those scenes, it's on them that they're adults. You know what I mean? Like you need to trust them and also care for yourself that like, it's not your business. Like, you know, um, so if they have an issue with it, like they can stop reading at any time. (laughs) No, you're not standing there like reading it out loud to them. So as much as possible, I would say just like try to free yourself. I, I definitely have had family members who read to a point and maybe got uncomfortable and were like, okay, like, I love you. I'm so happy for you. I'm not going to read that scene. And that's totally fine. So, um, yeah, I would just say they're adults. Let them like, know that you're not forcing them to read this by having it out in the world and trust them to navigate it. And if they have a problem, let them deal with it. Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful, like, I love that answer. I love that. Yeah. That's so spot on. Yeah. I put little like tabs and whenever I give my mother an arc of my book, I put little like tabs, like the sex scene starts here. It ends here. Yeah. It starts here, ends here. So if she chooses to read that, that's on her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I don't need to know about it. Like after mm-hmm. that. Point. Yeah. It, yeah. Again, none of my business, like at all. <laughs> um, this is a really fun question. What are some tips you have with writing intimate scenes and infusing humor in them? I'm like mean to the characters, I feel like is my tip. Like a lot of my humor is like somebody is embarrassed. <laughs> I, just, I feel like it's very rom-com humor in nature, right? Um, so again, like it's mortifying to get caught by your roommate watching him like one of his videos um when he's an adult film star but it became like instead of him freaking out about it for him to be like oh do you have any tips on like the technique like give me your opinion it became just a really fun interplay so it's kind of a classic writing advice of like get your character up a tree and throw rocks at them you can still do that in a sex scene <laughs> um potentially literally <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, back to the danger bang, right? Yeah. No, I like writing those like uncomfortable, awkward moments that lend themselves to humor because I find that character growth happens in those uncomfortable, awkward moments. Um, if characters find themselves like in an awkward situation, that can lead to bonding and like mm-hmm. greater intimacy and vulnerability. So yeah, I like I really love putting my characters in those awkward situations. Um be it, you know, in sexual situations or otherwise. Um, I mean, I have, I have a scene in count your lucky stars where a cat attacks a vibrator and, um, that's pretty, that's pretty awkward, um, (laughs) in front of, you know, like a roommate. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it, yeah, it lends itself to a vulnerability where you have to like confront that with, with the other character. I, I like those moments. And I think a lot of it too also depends on where the characters are at, like in their emotional like journey with each other and stuff. Like I think it's a lot easier to write like humor or sarcasm, you know, in scenes where they're they're still have their armor on and defensive and you know, like they're naked, but they're using that as this kind of shield from like fully committing to everything that's happening. Um, and so I yeah, I think that's a lot harder to write 
great humor and like, you know, but I'm in like that final scene or like, you know, like the, the ultimate, like love confession, sex scene and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, so kind of in line with that and this, I think this can be funny and sometimes it can just be really uncomfortable, but what are your thoughts on like the, um, I, I guess it would be like a trope almost where it's like the bad sex scene where, you know, couples do not hit the mark, literally, Um, (laughs) you know, the first or couple times around. I'm like super intrigued by it as a premise. And Mm -hmm. it's been something that I've like experimented with um, in, in drafting for different projects. I think it's harder to execute than maybe people would expect especially for a first sex scene because it's like how do you just although you know as I'm going to say this I'm thinking of a book that does this really well and I will recommend it in just a second but um yeah how do you distinguish it between being like bad circumstantially or just like a badly written um and so I think that's a little bit tricky but I it's definitely something I like to explore and I like to see explored in work um and this, the book that I was thinking of that comes out, um, I think it's like right around July 4th, mm-hmm. is Rachel and Solomon's Business or Pleasure. And that first sex scene is a very bad sex scene. It's um, so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> it's funny though. Like, and she she pulls it <laughs> off so well from a craft perspective. And the character, it kicks off the character's whole journey um, in the book. So it definitely can be done. And that's that's a standout example you guys should look for. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not sure I would ever be able to like write that trope because like I, I suffer from secondhand embarrassment so badly, but I do find it like so fascinating, especially when it's done well, like in that book. But yeah. <laughs> and then Alexandra, did you, have you ever like thought about trying that out? I have, I don't want to be too spoilery for my, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I have a, I have a scene where, um, my 2024 release is actually my first single POV that I've written. And I think that um, my, the scene lends itself to that because one character is having a great time and there's a bit of a miscommunication trope that plays into it. You, you, yeah, somebody maybe finishes and they don't realize that somebody, whatever, you know what, you'll read it. You'll you'll read it. You'll see. We'll read it. We'll love it. (laughs) We'll feel the pain. (laughs) <laughs> there's there's awkwardness and I think that um it lends itself to then like communicating about what didn't go well after yeah that. oh for sure yeah and that helps so much and again like that's a perfect example of how you know writing a scene like that truly like furthers the plot and navigates that and then you can also use you know a later one almost as a parallel but to show how things have become so different where it is like it's not necessarily like an action beat or something moving the plot along but it's you know showing that growth and everything like that but I can't I can't wait to read it that sounds amazing (laughs) um and then I don't know what time we technically need to start um I think you know the to kind of like sum up what some of these last um uh questions are asking is one how how do you decide um how many um you know sex scenes go into a book and where they go and then also how do you incorporate tropes into the sex scenes that you write um I think we can kind of like tie those together. <laughs> 
I'm trying to think, um, because I know we mentioned a a little bit about like pacing integration and tropes. I mean, there's definitely like bucket list tropes. Like I know, Maisie, you mentioned getting that danger bang in. So sometimes like I'm (laughs) hesitant to say this because this is also something I'm trying to make happen in my 2024 release. Um, but it'll be fine. That's far enough away that everyone will forget about it. I really wanted to make happen in do your worst a, um, like tie me to the chair. Cause I'm like, so out of control with lust that I like need to be restrained, which uh-huh. is like a micro trope, but it is a trope. Yes. And yes. I, couldn't, I could not quite pull it off for do your worst. I, you know, I was close. I tried, but my, um, next, my 2024 release that I'm drafting right now, um, I, I won't say anything more, but I'm really trying to make that trope happen in it. So hopefully oh my that. God. please, we are so blessed in terms of like how many trope, how many like scenes, like figuring that out. I feel like I try to think about where the characters are at in their relationship arc and mm-hmm. just like plan it accordingly. Sometimes I have like ultra slow burns and there's only two scenes, um, and the the heat level varies based on where the characters are at. Sometimes, you know, it's it happens sooner and there are more scenes, but maybe they're not as like intimate or vulnerable in those first few. It really just depends on the couple and the relationship and the arc progression. Um, that's kind of how I like come to like how many scenes there are going to be um, mm-hmm. and varies like with revisions. Sometimes I've written somewhere it's like, you know, I have like four or five scenes and unfortunately some get left on the, you know, cutting room floor. Um, sadly. <laughs> yeah. I tend to avoid that note in my books where it's like, Oh, is that fourth scene necessarily necessary? And I'm like, yeah, yep. It was what, what's next. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Great question. Eileen. It was, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, I think it really does depend too on like yeah I think so much of it depends on on couple specific and then also just you know what what they need and like how much external conflict there is between or versus like internal because I almost I almost feel like a lot of internal conflict in in a story like guiding it through lends itself more to more sex scenes because it's like you know, they can resolve things through physical intimacy or like at least, you know, put a pin in things by like banging it out. But, but you know, can, or they can like, you know, like disguise something by being like, I don't want to talk about this. So we're yes. going like, to, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas when it's like, when you have like a very external plot and a lot of conflict that like, y- you know, there's so many like moving pieces that you have to navigate. Um, sometimes it just doesn't feel even like doable to get them back. Like, Okay, this is so silly, and I'm sorry. This is such a side tangent, but I don't think I could ever give like a character a dog because I don't understand how people with dogs can do anything besides take care of this dog. Like, let alone like have sex. Like, I to me, like that is like the most complicated thing. So you know, again, external conflict. Like that was a horrible. <laughs> but <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, you didn't know how people with dogs like were able to have sex. Cause like, where's the dog? Like, I was like, I, where's this going? Yeah, because it's like, I work my my- like children in my romance. Yeah. I'm going to be taking care of a baby. There's no time to bang. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm like, okay. So they have to walk this dog, you know, they have to like constantly check on the food situation. Like, you know, it's needing to go out all the time. Like, you know, so anyway, but 
in summary, like I think, you know, it just really depends on how much other stuff is going on too within the progression of the story. Um, I'm sorry. I feel like I totally derailed the entire conversation with that. Becca. I'm back. Um, I'm really delighted by Maisie's perception of like dog ownership. Anyway, thank you so much. This has been delightful. Before we go, can you each pitch one of your own books, maybe your most recent release or a book you'd like people to start with and then recommend a book that you've read recently that you've really loved? Sure. Yeah. The Fiance Forest came out on April 18th and it's a sapphic rom-com about a quiet bookseller who agrees to a marriage of convenience um, in order to save her indie books bookstore. Um, uh, she you know, falls into this relationship with a um, a newspaper heiress who moonlights as a romance novel cover model, and she needs to get married in order to inherit her grandfather's newspaper company and hijinks ensue as they enter into this modern marriage of convenience. Um, it's set in Seattle and it kind of plays on the marriage of convenience, fake engagement, wallflower, rake-ass tropes. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. And a book that I have read recently and recommend is uh, Will They or Won't They by Ava Wilder. And that's a super fun celebrity um, romance about, you know, two um, characters who starred on a TV show um, years before and um, come back together later. Uh, My book, um, The Plus One, came out on April 5th. Um, and it's a, gosh, I don't even remember what it's about at this point. Um, oh no, it came out on April 4th, my bad. Um, but it's about the Indira who walks in on her boyfriend, um, in a very compromising position with somebody that's not her and a lot of peanut butter. And she basically has like the worst day of her life. Um, and so she goes to seek solace at her brother's house, um, and stay with him for a while and kind of like lick her wounds and rebuild, um, especially while her brother's in the midst of planning his wedding. Um, but when she gets there, um, to her dismay, her childhood nemesis and her older brother's best friend, Jude, is also staying there. Um, and the two have to share a space um, and kind of confront a lot of animosity. Um, Jude is battling a lot of his own demons. He's been working as an emergency medical doctor. Um overseas and dealing with a lot of emotional burnout and PTSD from that, um, but not like really coping with it or addressing it. Um, and so the two, you know, uh, kind of lean into their, their mutual animosity and decide that, um, while they, they hate each other, they would rather spend time together away from everybody else than be thrust into like all of these wedding ordeals and preparations. And so they fake date, um, and like, obviously <laughs> fall in love and they emotionally 69 at one point. So that was like, you know, a very, very proud moment for me to pull that off, I guess, in a sex scene. Um, and yeah. And then one book, um, that I read that I loved, and then it kind of like feeds into a couple recommendations is, um, it's a novella right now that you can get through. Um, her name is Alexandra Vasti, um, V-A-S-T-I. She, through her newsletter, is, has given out like two um, of these just amazing historical um, romance novellas. And one of them is called um, In Which Margot Hel- 
Halifax earns her shocking reputation. And then the other one is in which Matilda Halifax learns the value of restraint. And they are so good. It's like if Tessa Dare and Lisa Kleypas had like, um, like a historical romance baby. And then that baby went on to just like write incredible romance as well. Um, and then I'm currently reading her 2024 release called, um, Ne'er Duke Well. Um, and yeah, she just, incredible use of like atmospheric intimacy and stuff like that. So um, highly recommend. So my upcoming release, as I mentioned in the fall is do your worst. Um, It is about a disgraced archeologist and a down on her luck curse breaker who unknowingly accept the same assignment at this infamous Scottish castle uh, where magic may or may not be at play. Um, And they, you know, immediately butt heads, but they do decide to become enemies with benefits and you will get that hate sex as promised. So uh, (laughs) pre-order it. And um, while you wait for that, I uh, recommend if you've tried my first book, The Roommate, to check out The Intimacy Experiment, which is a um, sex educator and a hot rabbi teach a course on modern intimacy and then use the syllabus to fall in love. And that's available now. Um, And then a book that I recommend is um, Midnight Duet by Jen Comfort. Um, It is so bonkers and just joyful and just everything I love about romance and risk-taking. The heroine is a sort of like disgraced Broadway diva. Um, And it's it's a gender swapped Phantom of the Opera retelling, like modern. So yeah, so she's this disgraced Broadway diva. um, And the hero is the front man of a German metal rock band. (laughs) And they are in Paris, Nevada, I think, um, in this like theater that she inherited from her grandmother. And it's just delicious and if you love opposites attract if you love a great like found family ensemble cast i cannot recommend it enough and in terms of memorable sex scenes there generate a bonus epilogue that you can get where <laughs> the heroine pegs the hero with like <laughs> one of her old awards like and it somehow <laughs> works and she at one point says sing for me which is a fan of the opera reference and I will just never get over it that I think is maybe the best sex scene that's ever been written so a fitting way I think to end this panel 100 oh my god <laughs> and there you have it a huge thank you to Maisie Eddings, Alexandria Bellafleur, and Rosie Dannon for their humor and candor. This was such a fun listen, which I can say because I wasn't talking. If this conversation has made you want to pick up some of their books, you can do that in our shop or on our website, meetcutebookshop.com. And that's all for this episode of the Meet Cute Book Pod. If you've been enjoying this podcast, it would be a big help for you to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. And if you haven't been enjoying it, how did you get this far? Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Becca, the owner of Meet Cute Romance Bookshop in San Diego, California, and I hope you'll tune back in for more deep dives into romance writing, reading, and publishing. (laughs) 